right, welcome back to the Functional Longevity Podcast. Yes, fitness, Functional Longevity Podcast. We give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. My name is Chris Borda, best-selling author and owner of Yes Fitness. And uh, coming to you today from our facility. I hope this is working correctly because, as usual, Facebook has changed things, the way we do things. It looks like it's working. Um, if not, hopefully somebody can raise their hand, make sure they can hear me. Um, but I believe it's working. So today we don't necessarily have any housekeeping. Uh, we were closed for Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody had a great time. We're back at it now and getting into the summer, getting into the summer. So what I have for you today is we'll talk about building blocks blocks of the components to a successful workout and I want you to think about it like this so tonight when I go home it is my turn to cook dinner now I haven't cooked dinner in a long time because I always worked evenings so I'm kind of getting back into it and years and years ago when I was in the retail business my boss would take us out to lunch our group our group out to lunch and we would go to Chili's and there was a salad at Chili's that I really enjoyed. It was a Caribbean salad. And I think what I liked about the Caribbean salad, just like you didn't hold, need a whole lot of dressing. It was very moist but still crispy and very tasty. So I've tried to make that salad a few times and been successful. When I go to make that salad, I, I don't just like take everything, throw it into a big pot, and shake it up and say, here's the salad. Now I have to plan. i got to plan correctly. So as Ben Franklin would say, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And so obviously the first thing I need to do is go to the grocery store. I have the, the recipe in front of me. So then I'm going to pick up whatever I need, some chicken, um, lettuce, uh, cabbage, orange, little orange wedges, mandarin orange wedges, what I think is what make it taste really good, some pineapple chunks, and things like that. But... I'm going to get all the ingredients together before I go to make this salad. And the salad is a two-part salad. I have to make the salad, and I need to make the dressing. I buy all the parts for the dressing. And for this salad to come out correctly, I need the correct, not just ingredients, but the correct measurements, the amount of each ingredient that I need. I need to put it together at the right, in the right um, order for it to all come out together. And when I put those two things together, I have the salad that I'm looking for. Salad that tastes great, and I enjoy it. And um, this same type of mentality needs to go into your exercise program or your workout. Now, I'm not going to talk about a whole programming here. I'm just going to talk about the workout itself, the specific workout. To be able to get the results that you want, I'm going to talk about those components or those areas that I feel you need in your workout to be successful. Someone that you might find these, these same components are in all our workouts, whether you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, 60s, 70s, whatever it might be. But I'm really very specific about some areas for someone who's 40 plus. Uh, that's our demographic. That's what our specialty, that's where experts at. But these same type of components are involved in any exercise program with a little tweaking here and there. And we're always going to keep in mind that whatever the program in, it needs to match what your goal is. It needs to match what you're trying to accomplish. 
So I'm going to probably say this a few times throughout the presentation and broadcast today, but if, if I'm pretty sure that your goals are probably different now than they were when you were in your 20s. So you should be doing something different than you were in your 20s. Not just the fact that the exercise science has changed and we know what we do or we did back in our 20s is not as effective as what we know how to do now. It's just like when we make a, a salad, some type of scientist put that salad together, some kind of nutrition or food scientist put that salad together so it tastes good, so it gets the results that you want. The same thing here. We're going to use the science to help build our program, to build our workout so that we get the results that we're looking for because things change. Things change over time. So I'm sure your goals have changed since when you were back in your 20s or your 30s. So we need to change the workout based upon your goals. Certainly your lifestyle has probably changed. You might be working more. You might be working less. You might have a family. You might be, um, I don't know, but I'm sure your lifestyle has changed from when you were in your 20s and your 30s to where you are now in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. You might even be retired. So you got to look at your goals. you got to take a look at your lifestyle. You have to look at whether you've trained before or you haven't trained in a long time or you've been training. All these things go into it into trying to create that specific workout. So we're not just gonna walk into a gym, get on a treadmill for five minutes or an elliptical for five minutes or 15 minutes and then go jump on a, a circuit of machines and everyone's going to do the same circuit of machines or everyone's gonna do the same exercises as we go along. Everyone is different. Everyone's goals are different. Their bodies are different and how they move is different. So how can that be effective? It's not effective. So let's go over some of the areas. So we always like to start off with some type of screening, some kind of movement screening. We use a functional movement screen, FMS screening. Um, it's seven screens, so we get an idea how well you move because everyone's going to move differently. And we're probably not moving as well as we did when we were in our 20s or our 30s. So why would we be doing the same program we're doing in our 20s and our 30s if we're not moving the way we did when we were in our 20s and our 30s? Just think about it how much stiffer you are, especially in the morning, how stiff you are in the morning or how much like mobility you have, um, uh, how much motion you have, all those things have changed. So your program should change. And when we do a screening, it can also help us to understand what movement patterns we don't do well so that we can improve upon help reduce the risk for injury and increase the risk for result pardon me increase the increase performance and results because things are moving the way we want them to move so we like to start with the screening if you don't have a screening i understand you know not everybody gets screenings we do screenings you're welcome to come in and screen you but that's really where you need to start because that's where the plan starts Okay? And the GPS needs to know where you're starting from before it can tell you how to get to where you want to go. So where you're at today, what your goal is, what your lifestyle is, whether you've trained or haven't trained before, any in injuries or medical issues, and a screening is the starting point to determine how to get to the end point. Without that, you have no idea if you're doing what you need to do to get to the end point. So I give you an example, a quick little example, what I use a lot when I talk about the functional movement screen and how it helps is let's say you have a rock in your shoe. You're probably going to walk a little bit different because it hurts. 
Now, if we put weight into your hand and you continue to walk with that rock in your shoe, you're going to walk different. And eventually, over time, you're going to cause some kind of pain, discomfort, or maybe some long-term pain, maybe some knee pain, ankle pain. I'm not sure, but if we can get rid of that little rock so that you can walk the way you're supposed to walk, not only are we going to help you reduce the risk for injury, but it's going to help us get a re better results. If you think about this, if we're standing there and one hip is higher than the other, let's say your left hip is higher than your right hip. So that's going to force that right femur, the right part of your leg, to push down in or valgus when it should be going straight up and down if this is your leg. Instead, it's going to be pushing in onto your knee. Next thing you know, you're going to have knee pain or your hips are off. So now your back is going to be off and you're going to start to have back pain. So it's really important to get that screening and know and understand where you're at to be able to get to where you want to go. So from that point, once we've designed the workout, in that workout, it should start off with some diaphragmatic breathing. Okay, What is diaphragmatic breathing? This means that we're actively pulling the diaphragm up and down. The diaphragm is a muscle, and that muscle needs to be worked as well, which, which we're inward breath. Okay, And it fills the lungs and then exhale to relax the body a little bit, to put it into a parasympathetic state. We want the body to be relaxed so that it moves better. I've seen people just have a poor movement pattern, breathe better, and all of a sudden they can move better. Now, certainly we breathe 24-7. It's involuntary. It's part of the automatic nervous system. But if we're not breathing correctly, okay, if we're not breathing correctly, we're not going to be working that diaphragm, and the upper body's not going to move the way it should move. We're probably going to use our chest, okay? Let's say we, we, I don't like to use the word belly breathing because it really kind of takes off the context, but when we breathe, we should not be like lifting our chest up like this, okay? That's not the way it's designed, an exhale like this. Because if we do breathe like that, when we go to lift, we're going to try to utilize our chest and muscles in a way that they're not designed to use to do an exercise that they're not supposed to be a part of. So we want to make sure that we're breathing correctly. And we start every exercise every exercise session off with that. Um, we try to make sure that our clients are taking that seriously because it is really important. When you breathe, let's say, for example, one way to figure it out is that when you're, if you lie on your back, you have one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. When you breathe correctly, your, your, your belly, your stomach should expand out and your hand should raise, the hand on your stomach should raise and the hand on your chest should not move at all. So you can practice that. And then exhale. Do five or six breaths just like that. And learn to breathe like that. And you will move better. You'll see that you move better, and you're going to get better results. Anytime you're moving better, you're going to get better results. So after we're done breathing, five or six breaths, we, we like to get into some soft tissue mobilization. So what is soft tissue mobilization of self-myofascial release? What does that do? That gets blood flowing into the muscles, and it gets the waste products out of our muscles. helps warm the muscle up a little bit. I always like to call it a cheap person's massage. So we use foam rollers, tennis balls, lacrosse balls, sticks, anything to massage that muscle a little bit. The fascia that's, that's connected or above the muscle, we want to make sure that's moving correctly. We want to make sure that is all performing the way it's supposed to perform. And this type of motion improves the health of the tissue, the fascia, and the muscle fibers. So 
if you think of your muscles as a shoelace, okay? If there's a knot in that shoelace and you pull on each end of the shoelace, what's going to happen? The knot's going to get tighter. So we need to get rid of those knots. We need to get rid of those trigger points just like you would in massage. Getting the blood flowing correctly so that muscle will move the way it's supposed to move. So we always start off with some myofascial release. Now you don't, you know, in the beginning it might hurt a little bit. The more it hurts means the more you need to do it. You don't need to do it three or four times a day. You don't want to overdo that. But you do you need to do that. And you need to roll roll over the point slowly or sit on that, that trigger point for 30 seconds to get rid of it. And uh, it will help reduce um, the risk for injury, help reduce pain, it'll help you move better. So once we've done some myofascial release, we've done some breathing, then we get into our warm-up. So warm-up has a lot of different components to it, okay? It can have some static stretching for the anterior part of the chest, body for the chest, the interior part of the hips, the front of the hips. Since we sit all day long and we're crunched all day, we want to do maybe some static or dynamic stretching just to open that up. Um, I notice all the time that when someone has an injury, be some shoulder discomfort, we send them over to physical therapy, over to advanced physical therapy. They come back with some very simple stretches. Simple, either they're dynamic or they're static. Dynamic meaning they're moving a little bit or, or static stretches. And within a few weeks, they're back to normal, no pain. So flexibility is important, especially as we get older, especially as we're sitting more. So we need to get that flexibility move motions in there, whether it's static or dynamic. Then also in our in our warm-up, um, we're going to do some movements to elevate the heart rate, increase our core temperature, kind of excite the body and turn it on neurally so that it's ready to go when we go to do our workout. If you're lifting weights, you might notice that your second set could be your best set or typically is your best set. That's because you've done your first set and it's turned your body on neurally. It says, oh, this is what I need to do to perform this. So the next time you go to do it, you're going to be better at it because your body is turned on neurally. We also like to put in some... Um, Corrective exercises, we're going to say corrective exercises because you might not need correction, but we like to put in some exercises to help us move better. Some things that we address in the functional movement screen, whether it's our thoracic mobility so that the top part of our, our body's moving correctly or our hips are moving correctly. We work on ankle mobility, all these areas so that when we go to exercise, we're fully warmed up. It's not just jumping on a machine for five minutes or 20 minutes, getting some blood flow. Let's turn that body on. Let's excite it. Let's really get it ready for the exercises that we're going to do. Sometimes we like to say, and this is from, from Mike Boyle, um, strength coach for many pro teams, got some facilities up in Boston, been at this a long time, an expert in our industry. He says our warm-up looks like our workout and our workout looks like our warm-up because we will do the same movement patterns, those functional movement patterns that we're going to do in the workout, in the warm-up, to turn the body on and get it ready and get it excited for the workout. So from there, we personally like to get into some power work. We've talked about power a few times now. Power is extremely important for fall prevention and for balance. So we do some power training to train not just the fast twitch muscle fibers that we lose as we age. We want to train that fascia because power comes from fascia. We like to create some movements where our feet have to move quick. So we use the agility ladders. We like to do some motions that we develop some 
explosive power like jump squats or uh, throwing medicine balls. And we also like to do some reactive power because when we go to fall, we don't know that we're going to fall. So we need to cre create the body's ability or improve the body's ability to react, to move that foot quickly and to be able to absorb those forces to keep us from falling. So power is important. It's important at every, any age, but it's really important as we get older because of the fear of falling and because we lose those skills. We lose those, the ability to prevent a fall as we age. So, so far we've got some myofascial release or some um, foam rolling, some soft tissue mobilization, that's where we start. Then we get into our diaphragmatic breathing, we get into our warm up, and then we're taking a look at some power. And then we get into the strength portion of the workout. I'm not gonna get too in depth into the strength portion, but we wanna make sure that we're hitting the movement patterns that the body naturally moves. That being um, squat, whether it's bilateral two legs or single leg or a split squat. We like to do hip hinges, which are a deadlift, whether it's um, bilateral, where we're using two legs, or unilateral, we're using one leg. Uh, we wanna make sure the upper body, we're doing some horizontal push, some vertical push, some horizontal rows, some vertical rows, and some, and some core work in there. So the, the strength portion um, is put up, put together a lot of different components. But when you go into that facility, you need to know what you're trying to accomplish. So you have your core exercises. You want to make sure that you're addressing anti-extension or not arching your back, anti-lateral flexion, not leaning to the side, or anti-rotation so that we're not rotating. That needs to be in a plan. We need to address that in our core. We can't always just do planks. We certainly don't want to be on some kind of machine doing some core work. And in the strength, we want to know and understand that sometimes we're going to lift a little bit more weight and fewer reps and sometimes you're going to lift a little lighter weight and do more repetitions but that's a whole nother discussion but you need to address that based upon what your goals are for that strength training component once we're past our strength uh, we might do some cardiovascular work some energy system training based upon what we're trying to accomplish maybe we're not getting any energy system training that we like to call our cardiovascular work energy system training for this specific reason, your body has three systems in its cardiovascular um, system. And getting on a machine and going steady state is working our aerobic, but we like to work our anaerobic system as well uh, with some interval training, a short burst, and then some rest. We like to do that at the end of our workout sometimes if we're not getting our cardiovascular work in somewhere else. But the point being is that when we get into the facility, we're not just getting on a machine and walking for five minutes and then going on to some circuit that's predetermined on some machines that as soon as you get on that machine, you're no longer working your full body, you're no longer working your core, you're just working that isolated muscle. It's pretty antiquated. It was way back in the 70s. So just think about how televisions or phones or anything else maybe in the industry that you're in has changed since the early 70s, like 50 years ago. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 50 years ago, right? Um, so your exercise should be changing as well. Um, 
we're not just going to get on these machines and go blindly around them at the same repetition range, at the same weights we've been doing for years and years and years, because that's why you're not getting any results. We're not going to get over into the dumbbell area and continue to do just chests and buys and backs. Back, no, it's chest. It's been so long since I've done this. Chest and tries, back and buys. Another day we're going to do shoulders. Another day we're going to do legs. A study show that that's not the best way to get results for, for even building muscle mass. So think about these areas that you want to try to address before you get into the facility and, and work on it. Get your myofascial release. Get those muscles relaxed. Get your breathing so the body is relaxed and ready to move better. Get that warm-up so that it's not just increasing your core temperature, a little bit of blood flow. Let's excite the body. Let's turn it on. Let's get it to move better. And then let's get into our core and address the different planes of motion in our core. We're a very sagittal plane, meaning we just go forward. We get in machines. We do leg extension. We do leg press. We do bicep curls. Try. Everything is in this plane of motion, but life is in all planes of motion. So we need to train our bodies in all planes of motion. That's why we need to get off those machines. Power, strength, and then do some restorative work at the end. Maybe foam roll again. Get some light static stretching. You don't want it to be too too intense, uh, so that the body can relax. Those are the components that I would put into an exercise program for someone at any age, actually. But certainly, when we're over 40, we're getting that power work in there. Um, we're over 40, so we're getting that mobility work in there. We're getting that flexibility work in there, stability work so the body moves and functions correctly. All things to think about right there. And I hope this is helpful. If you have any questions, put it in the comments. I'd be happy to get back to you or give me a call or swing by the studio. I'll give anybody help with anything I can. It's that important to me to make sure that you are moving correctly and you're getting as much as you possibly can at the efforts that you're putting into your workout. Going to go to the gym two, three times a week, you might as well be being effective. So, thanks for listening to what I have to say, taking time from your day. I appreciate it. Uh, I always appreciate uh, the people that listen to what I have to say, and I hope that it's helpful. And you can look for more tips from me next Tuesday at 3 30, where I'm going to help you get insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Thanks for watching, and have a great evening. Welcome back to the Functional Longevity Podcast. Yes, fitness. Functional Longevity Podcast. We give you insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. My name is Chris Borda, best-selling author and owner of Yes Fitness. And uh, coming to you today from our facility. I hope this is working correctly because, as usual, Facebook has changed things, the way we do things. It looks like it's working. Um, if not, hopefully somebody can raise their hand, make sure they can hear me. Um, but I believe it's working. So today we don't necessarily have any housekeeping. Uh, we were closed for Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody had a great time. We're back at it now. And getting into the summer. Getting into the summer. So what I have for you today is we'll talk about building blocks. Blocks of the components to a successful workout. And I want you to think about it like this. 
So tonight when I go home, it is my turn to cook dinner. Now, I haven't cooked dinner in a long time because I always worked evenings. So I'm kind of getting back into it. And years and years ago, when I was in the retail business, my boss would take us out to lunch, our group, our group out to lunch, and we would go to Chili's. And there was a salad at Chili's that I really enjoyed. It was a Caribbean salad. And I think what I liked about the Caribbean salad, just like you didn't need a whole lot of dressing. It was very moist but still crispy and very tasty. So I've tried to make that salad a few times and been successful. When I go to make that salad, I, I don't just like take everything, throw it into a big pot, and shake it up and say, here's the salad. Now I have to plan. I've got to plan correctly. So as Ben Franklin would say, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And so obviously the first thing I need to do is go to the grocery store. I have the, the recipe in front of me. So I'm going to pick up whatever I need, some chicken, um, lettuce, uh, cabbage, orange, little orange wedges, mandarin orange wedges, what I think is what make it taste really good, some pineapple chunks, and things like that. But I'm going to get all the ingredients together before I go to make this salad. And the salad is a two-part salad. I have to make the salad, and I need to make the dressing. I buy all the parts for the dressing. And for this salad to come out correctly, I need the correct not just ingredients, but the correct measurements, the amount of each ingredient that I need. I need to put it together at the right, in the right um, order for it to all come out together. And when I put those two things together, I have the salad that I'm looking for. Salad that tastes great, and I enjoy it. And um, this same type of mentality needs to go into your exercise program or your workout. I'm not going to talk about a whole programming here. I'm just going to talk about the workout itself, the specific workout. To be able to get the results that you want, I'm going to talk about those components or those areas that I feel you need in your workout to be successful. Someone that you might find these, these same components are in all our workouts, whether you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, 60s, 70s, whatever it might be. But I'm going to be very specific about some areas for someone who's 40 plus, uh, that's our demographic, that's what our specialty, that's where experts at. But these same type of components are involved in any exercise program with a little tweaking here and there. And we're always going to keep in mind that whatever the program in, it needs to match what your goal is. It needs to match what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm going to probably say this a few times throughout the presentation and broadcast today, but if if I'm pretty sure that your goals are probably different now than they were when you were in your 20s. So you should be doing something different than you were in your 20s. Not just the fact that the exercise science has changed and we know what we do, or we did back in our 20s is not as effective as what we know how to do now. It's just like when we make a, a salad, some type of scientists put that salad together some kind of nutrition or food scientists put that salad together so it tastes good so it gets the results that you want the same thing here we're going to use the science to help build our program to build our workout so that we get the results that we're looking for because things change things change over time so i'm sure your goals have changed 
since when you were back in your 20s or your 30s. So we need to change the workout based upon your goals. Certainly your lifestyle has probably changed. You might be working more, you might be working less, you might have a family, you might be, um, I don't know, but I'm sure your lifestyle has changed from when you were in your 20s and your 30s to where you are now, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, you might even be retired. So you gotta look at your goals, you gotta take a look at your lifestyle. You have to look at whether you've trained before or you haven't trained in a long time or you've been training. All these things go into it into trying to create that specific workout. Because we're not just going to walk into a gym, get on a treadmill for five minutes or an elliptical for five minutes or 15 minutes and then go jump on a, a circuit of machines and everyone's going to do the same circuit of machines or everyone's going to do the same exercises as we go along. Everyone is different. Everyone's goals are different. Their bodies are different and how they move is different. So how can that be effective? It's not effective. So let's go over some of the areas. So we always like to start off with some type of screening, some kind of movement screening. We use a functional movement screen, FMS screening. Um, it's seven screens. So we get an idea how well you move because everyone's going to move differently. And we're probably not moving as well as we did when we were in our 20s or our 30s. So why would we be doing the same program we're doing in our 20s and our 30s if we're not moving the way we did when we were in our 20s and our 30s? Just think about it how much stiffer you are, especially in the morning, how stiff you are in the morning or how much like mobility you have, um, uh, how much motion you have, all those things have changed. So your program should change. And when we do a screening, it can also help us to understand what movement patterns we don't do well so that we can improve upon help reduce the risk for injury and increase the risk for result, pardon me, increase the increased performance and results because things are moving the way we want them to move. So we like to start with the screening. If you don't have a screening, I understand, you know, not everybody gets screenings. We do screenings. You're welcome to come in and screen you. But that's really where you need to start because that's where the plan starts. Okay? And the GPS needs to know where you're starting from before it can tell you how to get to where you want to go. So where you're at today, what your goal is, what your lifestyle is, whether you've trained or haven't trained before, any in injuries or medical issues, and a screening is the starting point to determine how to get to the end point. Without that, you have no idea if you're doing what you need to do to get to the end point. I give you an example, a quick little example, what I use a lot when I talk about the functional movement screen and how it helps is let's say you have a rock in your shoe. You're probably going to walk a little bit different because it hurts. Now, if we put weight into your hands and you continue to walk with that rock in your shoe, you're going to walk differently. And eventually over time, you're going to cause some kind of pain, discomfort, or maybe some long-term pain, maybe some knee pain, ankle pain. I'm not sure, but if we can get rid of that little rock so that you can walk the way you're supposed to walk. Not only are we going to help you reduce the risk for injury, but it's going to help us get a re better results. If you think about this, if we're standing there and one hip is higher than the other, let's say your left hip is higher than your right hip. So that's going to force that right femur, the right part of your leg, to push down in or valgus when it should be going straight up and down if this is your leg. Instead, it's going to be pushing in onto your knee. Next thing you know, you're going to have knee pain or your hips are off, so now your back is gonna be off and you're gonna start to have back pain. So it's really important to get that screening and know and understand where you're at 
to be able to get to where you want to go. So from that point, once we've designed the workout, in that workout, it should start off with some diaphragmatic breathing. Okay, What is diaphragmatic breathing? This means that we're actively pulling the diaphragm up and down. The diaphragm is a muscle, and that muscle needs to be worked as well, which with your inward breath, okay? And then fills the lungs and then exhale to relax the body a little bit, to put it into a parasympathetic state. We want the body to be relaxed so that it moves better. I've seen people just have a poor movement pattern, breathe better, and all of a sudden they can move better. Now, certainly we breathe 24-7, it's involuntary, it's part of the automatic nervous system, but if we're not breathing correctly, okay, if we're not breathing correctly, we're not going to be working that diaphragm and the upper body's not going to move the way it should move. We're probably going to use our chest, okay, let's say we, we I don't like to use the word belly breathing because it really kind of takes off the context, but when we breathe, we should not be like lifting our chest up like this, okay, it's not the way it's designed, and exhale like this. Just if we do breathe like that, when we go to lift, we're going to try to utilize our chest and muscles in a way that they're not designed to use to do an exercise that they're not supposed to be a part of. So we want to make sure that we're breathing correctly. And we start every exercise every exercise session off with that. Um, we try to make sure that our clients are taking that seriously because it is really important. When you breathe, let's say, for example, one way to figure it out is that when you're, if you lie on your back, you have one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach. When you breathe correctly, your, your, your belly, your stomach should expand out and your hand should raise. The hand on your stomach should raise and the hand on your chest should not move at all. So you can practice that. And then exhale. Do five or six breaths just like that. And learn to breathe like that. And you will move better. You'll see that you move better, and you're going to get better results. Anytime you move better, you're going to get better results. So after we're done breathing, five or six breaths, we, we like to get into some soft tissue mobilization. So what is soft tissue mobilization or self-myofascial release? What does that do? That gets blood flowing into the muscles, and it gets the waste products out of our muscles. Helps warm the muscle up a little bit. I always like to call it a cheap person's massage. So we use foam rollers, tennis balls, lacrosse balls, sticks, anything to massage that muscle a little bit. The fascia that's that's connected or above the muscle, we want to make sure that's moving correctly. We want to make sure that is all performing the way it's supposed to perform. And this type of motion improves the health of the tissue, the fascia, and the muscle fibers. So if you think of your muscles as a shoelace, okay? If there's a knot in that shoelace and you pull on each end of the shoelace, what's going to happen? The knot's going to get tighter. So we need to get rid of those knots. We need to get rid of those trigger points just like you would in massage. Getting the blood flowing correctly so that muscle will move the way it's supposed to move. So we always start off with some myofascial release. Now you don't... You know, in the beginning, it might hurt a little bit. The more it hurts, it means the more you need to do it. You don't need to do it three or four times a day. You don't want to overdo that. But you do, you need to do that. And you need to roll roll over the point slowly or sit on that, that trigger point for 30 seconds to get rid of it. And uh, it will help reduce um, the risk for injury, help reduce pain. It will help you move better. So once 
we've done some myofascial release, we've done some breathing, then we get into our warm-up. So warm-up has a lot of different components to it, okay? You can have some static stretching for the anterior part of the chest, body for the chest, the anterior part of the hips, the front of the hips. Since we sit all day long and we're crunched all day, we want to do maybe some static or dynamic stretching just to open that up. Um, I notice all the time that when someone has an injury, it could be some shoulder discomfort, we send them over to physical therapy, over to advanced physical therapy. They come back with some very simple stretches. Simple, either they're dynamic or they're static, dynamic meaning they're moving a little bit or, or static stretches. And within a few weeks, they're back to normal, no pain. So flexibility is important, especially as we get older, especially as we're sitting more. So we need to get that flexibility move motions in there, whether it's static or dynamic. Then also in our, in our warm-up, um, we're going to do some movements to elevate the heart rate, increase our core temperature, kind of excite the body and turn it on neurally so that it's ready to go when we go to do our workout. If you're lifting weights, you might notice that your second set could be your best set or typically is your best set. That's because you've done your first set and it's turn your body on neurally. It says, oh, this is what I need to do to perform this. So the next time you go to do it, you're going to be better at it because your body is turned on neurally. We also like to put in some um, corrective exercises. We're going to say corrective exercises because you might not need correction, but we like to put in some exercises to help us move better. Some things that we address in the functional movement screen, whether it's our thoracic mobility so that the top part of our our body's moving correctly, or our hips are moving correctly, we work on ankle mobility, all these areas, so that when we go to exercise, we're fully warmed up. It's not just jumping on a machine for five minutes or 20 minutes, getting some blood flow. Let's turn that body on, let's excite it, let's really get it ready for the exercises that we're going to do. Sometimes we like to say, and this is from, from Mike Boyle, um, strength coach for many pro teams, got some facilities up in Boston, been at this a long time, an expert in our industry. He says our warm-up looks like our workout, and our workout looks like our warm-up because we will do the same movement patterns, those functional movement patterns that we're going to do in the workout, in the warm-up, to turn the body on and get it ready and get it excited for the workout. So from there, we personally like to get into some power work. We've talked about power a few times now. Power is extremely important for fall prevention and for balance. So we do some power training to train not just the fast twitch muscle fibers that we lose as we age, we wanna train that fascia because power comes from fascia. We like to create some movements where our feet have to move quick, so we use the agility ladders. We like to do some motions that we develop some explosive power like jump squats or um, throwing medicine balls. And we also like to do some reactive power because when we go to fall, we don't know that we're going to fall. So we need to cre create the body's ability or improve the body's ability to react, to move that foot quickly and to be able to absorb those forces to keep us from falling. So power is important. It's important at every, any age, but it's really important as we get older because of the fear of falling and because we lose those skills. We lose those, the ability to prevent a fall as we age. So, so far we've got some myofascial release or some um, foam rolling, some soft tissue mobilization, that's where we start. 
then we get into our diaphragmatic breathing, we go into our warm-up, then we're taking a look at some power, and then we get into the strength portion of the workout. I'm not going to get too in-depth into the strength portion, but we want to make sure that we're hitting the movement patterns that the body naturally moves, that being um, squat, whether it's bilateral two legs or single leg or a split squat. We like to do hip hinges, which is our deadlift, whether it's um, bilateral, we're using two legs, or unilateral, we're using one leg. Uh, we want to make sure the upper body, we're doing some horizontal push, some vertical push, some horizontal rows, some vertical rows, and some, and some core work in there. So the, the strength portion um, is put up, put together a lot of different components. But when you go into that facility, you need to know what you're trying to accomplish. So you have your core exercises. You want to make sure that you're addressing anti-extension or not arching your back, anti-lateral flexion, not leaning to the side, or anti-rotation so that we're not rotating. That needs to be in a plan. We need to address that in our core. We can't always just do planks. We certainly don't want to be on some kind of machine doing some core work. And in the strength, we want to know and understand that Sometimes we're going to lift a little bit more weight and fewer reps, and sometimes we're going to lift a little lighter weight and do more repetitions, but that's a whole other discussion. But you need to address that based upon what your goals are for that strength training component. Once we're past our strength, uh, we might do some cardiovascular work, some energy system training based upon what we're trying to accomplish. Maybe we're not getting any energy system training that we like to call our cardiovascular work energy system training for this specific reason your body has three systems in its cardiovascular um, system and getting on a machine and going steady state is working our aerobic but we like to work our anaerobic system as well uh, with some interval training a short burst and then some rest we like to do that at the end of our workout sometimes if we're not getting our cardiovascular work in somewhere else but the point being is that when we get into the facility, we're not just getting on a machine and walking for five minutes and then going on to some circuit that's predetermined on some machines that as soon as you get on that machine, you're no longer working your full body. You're no longer working your core. You're just working that isolated muscle. It's pretty antiquated. It was way back in the 70s. So just think about how televisions or phones or anything else maybe in the industry that you're in has changed since the early 70s, 50 years ago. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 50 years ago, right? Um, so your exercise should be changing as well. Um, we're not just going to get on these machines and go blindly around them at the same repetition range, at the same weights we've been doing for years and years and years, because that's why you're not getting any results. We're not going to get over into the dumbbell area and continue to do just chest and buys and backs. Back, no, it's chest. It's been so long since I've done this. Chest and tries, back and buys. Another day we're going to do shoulders. Another day we're going to do legs. A study showed that that's not the best way to get results for, for even building muscle mass. So think about these areas that you want to try to address before you get into the facility and, and work on it. Get your myofascial release. Get those muscles relaxed. Get your breathing so the body is relaxed and ready to move better. Get that warm-up so that it's not just a 
increasing your core temperature, a little bit of blood flow. Let's excite the body. Let's turn it on. Let's get it to move better. And then let's get into our core and address the different planes of motion in our core. We're a very sagittal plane, meaning we just go forward. We get a machine, we do leg extension, we do leg press, we do bicep curls. Try. Everything is in this plane of motion, but life is in all planes of motion. So we need to train our bodies in all planes of motion. That's why we need to get off those machines. Power, strength, and then do some restorative work at the end, maybe foam roll again, get some slight static stretching. You don't want it to be too, too intense uh, so that the body can relax. Those are the components that I would put into an exercise program for someone at any age, actually, but certainly when we're over 40, we're getting that power work in there. Um, we're over 40, so we're getting that mobility work in there. We're getting that flexibility work in there, stability work so the body moves and functions correctly. All things to think about right there. And I hope this is helpful. If you have any questions, put it in the comments. I'd be happy to get back to you or give me a call or swing by the studio. I'll give anybody help with anything I can. It's that important to me to make sure that you are moving correctly. You're getting it as much as you possibly can at the efforts that you're putting into your workout. Because if you're going to go to the gym two, three times a week, you might as well be being effective. So thanks for listening to what I have to say, taking time from your day. I appreciate it. Uh, I always appreciate uh, the people that listen to what I have to say. And I hope that is helpful. And you can look for more tips from me next Tuesday at 3.30 where I'm going to help you get insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Thanks for watching, and have a great evening.